Welcome to the Made for Agriculture podcast with Adam, Cameron, and Emily. Today's host is Emily Beck. And today I have two interviews on the behind the scenes of here at MFA. Just like the weather we are having, we're going to be jumping around a little bit. So first I will have Pam Hiller who we are going to talk to about the MFA scholarships and other grant opportunities here at MFA Incorporated. And then we're going to speak with Allison Jenkins, the editor of our magazine, Today's Farmer, and about some of the latest issues and some updates to the magazine. So buckle up and get your ears ready for some Nirvana. So first we have the legendary Pam Hiller. Pam Hiller has been with MFA for 31 years and began her career for 23 years in MFA accounting before she started working with our president, Ernie. She's currently the executive assistant and assistant corporate secretary for MFA, a role that has led to a deep involvement with MFA's charitable work. Welcome, Pam. Now I've heard about the scholarships offered by MFA over the years and seen the winners at the local MFA stores, but I've learned recently that there's much more to the charitable giving of MFA Incorporated. For this reason, I wanted to speak with you, the woman behind everything, there in the MFA president's office and the charitable giving. First of all, I understand we have a deadline coming up very soon. In just a few weeks, a February 15th deadline for scholarships. That's correct. Thanks, Emily, for having me come on today and, and visit with you on our uh, MFA's charitable givings. Uh, yes, um, the deadline for applying for the MFA Foundation scholarship is February 15th. Uh, all applica applications need to be submitted before midnight on the 15th in order to be eligible to uh, receive the scholarship. Just to give you a little bit more information about the scholarship, um, the, the MFA Foundation awards scholarships to graduating high school seniors in areas um, where we have uh, facilities, both MFA Incorporated, MFA Oil, and some of our uh, other local MFA agencies. To be eligible to apply, the high school student needs to be a child or a grandchild, including step of a member currently doing business with any of these companies. The student also needs to be pursuing any course of study that leads towards an academic degree, such as a bachelor's of arts or science, or an associate's degree at an accredited college or university. Students also need to uh, reside within the states of Missouri, Iowa, Kansas, Arkansas, or Oklahoma. These scholarships are for $2,000. Oh, wow. Yes. Uh, they are non-renewable, so it's just a one-time scholarship. You can find more information and apply if you go to uh, mfafoundation.com. You can learn some more information and find the link to, to submit an application. And I hear that, you know, these charitable funds and everything, they're actually not a small portion, that there's actually a large impact that you're having. Absolutely. Um, for the scholarships out of MFA Foundation, we award typically close to 300 scholarships a year. Um, and since its inception in 1958, uh, we've awarded more than 15,000 scholarships, totaling over $17 million. So it is a big investment and a big commitment that we've made to our 
So just you saying $2,000, have you guys heard any feedback of what they're using that towards? Or? Um, the scholarships are used towards uh, tuition, books, or any other fees that come along um, to uh, from the university or college that they attend. Um, if a student is uh, going to use a plus dollars at a two-year school before moving on, um, then the, we request that the funds be used towards books and uh, other fees. And uh, when we submit that information to the school, we intentionally leave off tuition so that all their A-plus dollars gets used and because they will typically apply scholarship money before A-plus, and so we want to make sure those students get the use, full use of their A-plus dollars. Okay, yeah. All uh, scholarship payments are made directly to the college or university, so no, no funds go directly to the students. Okay, so they're not using it on maybe a beard tab or no, anything? No, no, not on this scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> That's really not nice. On this one. Um, right now, the scholarships get paid twice a year, 1000 for the fall semester and $1,000 uh, for the spring semester. Okay, that's really nice. I know with uh, rural areas, a lot of those folks usually do go to a community college close by. Yes. Okay, so that would be really nice. Yes. Um, so, Pam, can you give a little bit more on the history of the foundation and maybe some of the other projects it's known for? Sure. Um, the foundation was actually started back in 1958 with a contribution um, that the MFA received from the Robert Worm uh, estate. And since then, we have been growing the funds um, to be used to uh, help uh, education um, initiatives throughout uh, the state. So the MFA Foundation is a collaboration between MFA Incorporated MFA oil and some other MFA agencies. Um, and its main purpose is to support education in the communities of the locations we serve. Um, both companies, MFA Incorporated and MFA Oil, continually to work to make a difference in communities where we operate. We think it's one of the best ways to do that is to make a positive impact on the next um, crop of agriculture and rural leaders. Um, these scholarships are one way of fulfilling that, that mission. We also actively sponsor and participate in organizations such as 4-H and FFA, along with edu other educational uh, activities and programs, including the Missouri Farmers Care, Ag Education on the Move. Um, we, uh, we also realize uh, that investing in our rural communities and youth um, education is truly investment into the agriculture. A couple years ago, the foundation also um, started a program uh, where we funded a chair at the University of Missouri. Uh, the chair is the, uh, in agribusiness. Um, that's another big program that the foundation thought was an important way to keep growing the education um, that they can students can receive, in particular in this case at Mizzou. Um, and we also yearly, uh, every year, support the 4-H and FFA found state foundations and help with their efforts to continue to educate and encourage youth. I agree, especially with someone being FFA alumni myself, with my state degree, very proud of it. Um, so having that FFA aspect in my life at a very young age, you know, besides um, growing up on a farm, has definitely helped me to then pursue it further on. So I 
Thank you. Yes. <laughs> we, I, I know the foundation and the board members really enjoy supporting those organizations. They are very good organizations that really help build um, character and, and drive in the youth that's coming up. So very good organizations to be a part of. Yep. And I understand that MFA um, has its own foundation with a little different focus and mission. Can you tell us just a little bit about that foundation? Yes. Um, MFA Incorporated started uh, the MFA Incorporated Charitable Foundation back in 2005. And the mission of this foundation is to assist rural communities um, in MFA's trade, in MFA Incorporated's trade territory um, by supporting organizations that are dedicated to education, youth, solving community problems, and improving quality of life in our rural communities. Um, so that organization, we receive grant, uh, take grant applications to help support different initiatives within those communities. First, I'll probably mention a couple large projects that we um, f- have been funding the last several years. First being the SAE grants uh, program with FFA. Um, we have teamed up with the Missouri State FFA to administer um, a grant that students can apply to receive funds to help support their projects, get those SAE projects off the ground, or build their business that they are trying to start with that program. We have also been very involved in starting a MFA fire grants uh, grant, I guess I'll just say that, um, through the university with in conjunction with the University of Missouri Fire and Rescue Training Institute. And every year between um, October and November, rural fire departments, uh, volunteer fire departments can submit applications to receive funds to help them with their needs there um, at the department. It can be anything from outfitting personal uh, protection gear to equipment that they may need in grain rescues or in uh, like brush fire situations or just anything along those lines. And um, that's been a big program that we really enjoyed being a part of each and every year. Yeah, especially with the drought and everything and the big fires that we had in Kansas last year. I mean, I can definitely see a big benefit for that. Um, I also really love the idea of these types of grants. $2,000 can really make a difference for a small nonprofit or even a rural community. They do. They make a big difference. Um, A majority of our grants come in and these smaller requests that we receive from different organizations through throughout the state, they these applications can be submitted year-round. Um, we don't have a specific time frame like we do with the scholarships, so you can they can be submitted anytime, and the board will uh, review those applications every two to three months, kind of depending on the amount of grants that we've received to be reviewed, but uh, they do get looked at, and then we'll, we'll award uh, grants throughout the year. The majority of these smaller grants tend to come in from uh, communities, uh, fairgrounds, a lot of youth fairgrounds like schools or different uh, parks, city parks and stuff that we uh, have helped with with playgrounds. One of the you've probably seen in the Today's Farmer magazine and on um, MFA social media, some of these uh, being mentioned that so you might be a little bit familiar with. The Charitable Foundation recently funded to purchase fans for the Montgomery County Fair for their livestock barn. We've also done gates uh, for small pens for livestock animals. We've helped with upgrading electrical 
units in, in barns, improved restrooms um, at different fairgrounds. So there's all different kinds of sorts of projects that can qualify for these grants. Uh, we also do community buildings. Anything along those lines are, are projects that are involving youth and educating youth in um, the ag industry that, you, that the community may be sponsoring. If you want to find out a little bit more about um, how to apply for a grant or what grants are eligible uh, through the MFA Incorporated Charitable Foundation, you can go to mfa-inc.com forward slash charity, and there you will be able to find all the information on eligibility and the link to apply. Well, there's definitely seems to be a, a same focus going through all these charitable funds is that, you know, funding youth, funding rural areas, but also just funding some really amazing things. Yes. Uh, so I really wanted to thank you for visiting with us today. And thank you so much because it's also one of my what second podcasts I think this is. So if there's some shaky voices or some kind of stuttering or maybe even saying a little bit of some stuff incorrectly. <laughs> I apologize. Um, definitely have the new brain on the mind. So this is my first one. So yeah, we're, we're both in it. <laughs> so whoever's listening, I apologize. Um, but I just really wanted to say that it just sounds like your job is amazing. Not only the fact that you get to sit next to our president, Ernie, yep. but also you get to be a part of these amazing charities, organizations, and be a part of two different boards to get this stuff done. Yes. So my hat's off to you. Well, thank you. That can be a challenge. Yeah, it, 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 can be a, it can be a challenge, but it's also very rewarding. Both boards um, that handle these are great to work with, and they find it um, it's very important to them that we give back to the communities. So it's, they take it very seriously. Um, and it's always fun to see how these funds impact the communities where we do business, the youth. Uh, all, we always love uh, receiving the letters, especially from the kids. Um, thanking us, talking to us about what they use the funds for, how it helped them. And it's always nice, too, when you go out to a community and you hear from individuals who may have received a, a grant or the managers expressing that they get feedback from their customers on how, how important it is to them and how much they appreciate what MFA has done to uh, help support their their uh, mission and what they're doing. So it's a it's, it's very rewarding piece of what I do. Well, I appreciate it. And also, if you want to look at any of these, I know on our Facebook page, I always see those when I'm scrolling through the, the pictures of those communities with their big checks and everything. Yeah. So that's definitely something if you want to look more into it, I, I would definitely recommend going to our Facebook page and looking at those, liking them, and then see how you can get involved, not only on Facebook, but also with that URL that she had shared on here. But I just wanted to Thank you again. I know thank I've already you. said it, I think four <laughs> times, but thank you, Pam, for visiting with us today and all of MFA's charitable efforts. And so it's very much appreciative. But now we're, we'll go on to Allison Jenkins, the editor of today's Farmer Magazine. We're going to talk about the latest issue of the magazine, its history, and the latest redesign. This February's Today's Farmer Magazine has a new look and some new features. Hello, Allison. Hi, Emily. So today we're going to talk a little bit about today's farmer. 
I have started, I started this position back in February and I'm still a little new on the magazine. And so if you could just give me a little bit background history on that, kind of where it started and what you guys do with the, the magazine. Absolutely. So um, today's Farmer Magazine is uh, what we really like to call the voice of MFA Incorporated. Um, the magazine actually predates the cooperative, which oh, is wow. an interesting fact. Um, a lot of people don't know. Um, when uh, its founder, William Hurth, was um, advocating for co the formation of cooperatives like MFA, um, he was editor of a magazine called The Missouri Farmer and Breeder. And so he used that publication as a vehicle to advocate for um, farmers banding together uh, to form a cooperative business wow. um, to just better their operation, pool their resources, and um, MFA still operates on those cooperative principles today. Um, and uh, the magazine is still continuing. So uh, MFA itself is 110 years old, but the magazine is 116 years old. Oh wow! Um, so uh, that's uh, that's a little known fact, um, but it was a um, it was a good vehicle for uh, the formation of MFA then, and it's still the voice of MFA and how we get. Um, the word out to our farmers about what's happening with a cooperative, what's happening in agriculture, um, practices, products, uh, things that can help them uh, farm better, be more productive, be more profitable. Um, that's always been the magazine's mission, and that's the mission that we continue today. Yeah, it's definitely aged gracefully. I mean, especially 116 years old. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. But so how do you guys decide what will be in the magazine? Because if you open it up, there's quite a few different topics. It's It's very... Uh, variety packed um, in the magazine. So how do you guys even decide that? When do you guys um, just start doing those stories with those as well? Well, the magazine, we try to let the magazine reflect um, the membership of MFA and the landscape of agriculture in uh, Missouri and the surrounding states that we serve. Um, so that's why we have such a variety in the magazine. We try to have something for everybody. Um, and that includes a lot of um, agronomy topics, um, we have livestock topics in every issue. Um, we like to feature our experts. Um, we have lots of knowledgeable folks across the uh, MFA system, and we feature them a lot in the articles that we do. Um, they help us find farmers who have success stories with the products and services and programs that we offer, um, as well as things that are happening in the agricultural industry. Um, uh, with, with your position in conservation, yeah. um, yep. we have uh, made it a... a priority to make sure we have something conservation related in every issue mm -hmm. because that is such a commitment for MFA um, and as part of our stewardship value. Um, so we uh, try to have something related to those conservation programs, practices, mm -hmm. things that can help farmers be more resilient and sustainable oh, yeah. um, in every issue. Um, and then uh, we even get down to uh, looking at the whole family. We still publish recipes in every issue. Oh, wow. And they are reader-submitted recipes. So we ask our, re our readers to send us recipes every month. Lots of good cooks out there in MFA territory, and um, we get a big selection of those every uh, every month. Uh, we select, we work with some of the, the farm and home clubs out there to help select those issues or those recipes that we feature in each issue. And then mm -hmm. um, uh, my photojournalist Jessica and I actually uh, prepared one of those recipes and shoot photos of it for the magazine. So wow. that's one of the, I guess, the more fun aspects of putting yeah. the magazine together each time. And yeah, tasty. Yeah, I was going to say, you're going to tell me when we have those. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's amazing. So another thing that I was hearing is that you not only do, like we were talking about, the uh, different editions in the magazine, but you also have video content. How do you guys decide 
you know, how the video content is done. Do you guys take something from the magazine articles and then broaden it even more with the videos or is it entirely different um, content related? It's going to depend on the subject matter, but um, a lot of the uh, stories we go out to do, there are so many photo opportunities and so many opportunities to, to shoot video um, and uh, you can only have so much space in a print publication. Um, and so with the, uh, I guess, the ease and access of uh, multimedia platforms these days, um, you know, we try to capture some of that so that we can um, help populate our website, our social media channels. Um, you know, it may be a subject matter that you have to show in steps. You know, you maybe want to, it's, it's harder to show in a, in a still photograph, but you can show it in a video. Mm -hmm. And so we just use those, that content to just kind of um, complement what we're doing in print. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, you know, as, as well as I do technology these days, everything is so um, visual. Mm -hmm. And so yes. that gives us just another outlet to show what our farmers are doing, what our MFA employees are doing, how they're helping serve um, the farmers out there. Um, and so we just, uh, we look for those opportunities. Um, sometimes it may not lend itself to a video, <laughs> but if it does, uh, we, uh, we have the equipment, we have the skills to be able to do that. And, um, and then we have the platforms to do that through our website and social channels. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I know. I heard there's a little bit of a buzz going on, uh, pun intended for the conservationist, um, that there might be some new things coming to the magazine. Absolutely. So, yes, we are in the process right now as we speak, um, uh, putting together the February edition of, uh, of the magazine. Um, February is, our, is the first year of our vo volume year. Okay. So um, we just ended our December, January issue. And then so we're about to start our 116th volume of Today's Farmer, and we are going to debut a new look for the February issue. Um, it's the first time that Today's Farmer has been redesigned uh, in 10 years. We, we did a redesign in 2014, um, and uh, we felt like it was time for a new look. Our website's getting a new look. Uh, we've done a lot of work on some branding um, through our, throughout our company, and so it was just the perfect time to look at uh, giving the magazine a facelift as well. Um, so uh, look for some new design elements. Um, <laughs> You'll still get all the same great content, a lot mm -hmm. of the same, you know, we're, we're not going to uh, do anything different to uh, to harm that at all, mm -hmm. but um, we will have some new features, some new looks, and uh, a way to showcase some of the photography a little bit better. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of, it's giving it a fresh new uh, a fresh new face. Well, I'm excited. Is there any sneak peeks that you could possibly give us about the February issue? Um, well, I can. Yeah, absolutely. So February is interesting. It's always our um, annual meeting edition. Uh, we always, uh, our annual meeting uh, falls at the, um, at the end of November, um, which is too late for our December, January issue. So February <laughs> is kind of our, uh, we do a year in review, look at what happened with MFA and in mm -hmm. agriculture and the industry um, over the past year. Um, and then start looking forward to our 2024 year. Um, so that, that'll be a, a big part of this, this coming up issue. Um, uh, actually, there's lots of events in this issue. We'll have some coverage of our Emerging Leaders Conference, which has just happened uh, down at, the, um, at uh, Lake Ozark. Um, and uh, uh, something near and dear to your heart, we're going to help promote the Native Grassland Summit oh. that's happening in Jefferson City. That'll be April. exciting. Um, so that's something that we want to get the word out to our producers to attend, because um, mm -hmm. I know MFA is a sponsor of that yes. event, as well as the, the Emerging Leaders Conference that we just uh, we just covered. Um, our cover story is going to have a game bird producer on there. Uh, okay. Um, uh, a gentleman up here in uh, Central Missouri who raises pheasants, quail, ducks, and then also hosts uh, hunting uh, events yeah. at his farm and he has a special focus for um, young people teaching young people how to, to do some upland bird hunting so um, that was an interesting twist and he works the MFA for the nutrition for his birds so uh, that was kind oh, of wow. the connection to our to our company 
Um, but, but that's our cover story. So that'll be an interesting uh, addition. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm excited, especially on the conservation aspect <laughs> of it, because there's a lot of different stuff going on with native forages. Mm-hmm. It's a very hot topic right now. Mm-hmm. But how do people, you know, maybe subscribe to this? Um, so they can also get it in their own mailbox. That's a great question, a question we get a lot. Um, so Today's Farmer is a is the membership publication of MFA. So um, it is uh, uh, submitted through the different MFA locations all over our territory. So if you're a customer of, the, if, of a local MFA and aren't on the mailing list, uh, start there. Start with your local store. Ask them to, to have you added to the mailing list. Um, they maintain those lists and um, and then send them to us, and then we... we uh, produce the magazine in-house, and then use their mailing list to send it out to our customers. So it kind of starts at that local level. Um, you know, let, the, let those folks know that you'd like to be on the list if you're not, um, and I'm sure they'll be happy to get you on there. Well, I'm excited, especially the 116 years and talking about conservation. I'm really looking forward to the February issue, but also the new look that mm-hmm. today's farmer is bringing. So thank you, Allison. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Yes. Thanks for joining us for the Made for Agriculture podcast. I'm Emily Beck, and like I said, this is Allison Jenkins, the editor of Today's Farmer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Made for Agriculture, brought to you by MFA, your whole farm solution. 